Welcome to Into the Mirror, your home for healing, transformations, and badass awakenings. My name is Brody Miller, and I'm here with Alexander, and we are your illustrious hosts. Today, I am honored to be here with Doug Bopes. Doug is an ex-con, former, al- former alcoholic, opioid addict, whose habits got him unfortunately locked into jail for a stint. Fortunately, while locked up, Doug met his cellmate, who helped him turn his life around with fitness. When he was released, Doug continued to change his life through fitness, nutrition, accountability, and spirituality. Doug is now a three-time author of the books, The Heart of Recovery, Faith, Fitness to Freedom, and from, excuse me, from Felony, Fitness to Freedom, and the book, Faith, Family, and Fitness. He's also the host of the Adversity Advantage and is a fitness coach that helps people turn trials into triumphs. As you can tell, I kind of look like Frankenstein. I told Doug yesterday that uh, I did have a seizure, but I'm working through it just like a good athlete would to, uh, you know, with a hurt, well, just working through hurt. But uh, anyway, Doug, I would really wanted to welcome you and thank you for coming to our show. Gentlemen, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you guys. So one more thing. Brody, you also smashed your face while running. You say seizure and you don't talk about the parts that happen during the seizure. You smashed your (laughs) face on the Yeah, I I smashed my teeth in and my face in. I look like Frankenstein, but it's okay. You know, you got to roll with the punches in life. You look like I I did when I went to prison, honestly. Yeah. Like... But I mean, um, that that's the whole point, and this is why it's such a good episode. We got Doug on here. So, Doug, um, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into your story with County Jail and, like, where were you? How long were you there? Like, what were some of the other circumstances? Yeah, so I guess um, to, to, to make this as, um, as simple and short as possible, I was incarcerated on felony drug charges back in, in 2008 at the Hartford County Detention Center here in the state of Maryland. And at the time, um, I was, uh, I had a, I, at the time I had a three, 400 milligram a day Oxycontin habit. I was having suicidal thoughts. I had 21 jobs by the time I was 21. I was 21 when I actually got, um, when I actually entered the gates of the detention center. Um, I was 50 pounds heavier than I am now crippling anxiety, panic attacks, depression, damaged relationships, like you name it, I had it. And I was also, you know, selling copious amounts uh, of drugs to be able to support my horrific uh, addiction to to Oxycontin. And I guess to take it back a few weeks further, um, because this will make sense as we bring my story kind of full circle. um, Well, I guess to bring it, I guess let's go back a few months before yeah. that so Cinco de Mayo 2008 I was 20 years old riding around with a few of my friends to make a drug deal had a half a pound of pot in my uh trunk had a couple thousand dollars in cash and there was a a cop running radar whether I don't know if it was a sobriety checkpoint or just it was checking people to see if they were speeding or not but nonetheless I had a busted headlight that I'd been <laughs> meaning to fix for for months and Anybody who's listening to this or watching this, you know that when you're in the thick of your addiction, it's like this insane religion where you don't care about anything else yeah. other than it's true. Yeah, you're it's... who you're going to get high with, 
what, what drugs you're going to do, what you're going to listen to, what you're going to eat, when you're doing it, that sort of thing. And, and so fixing a headlight didn't fit within that narrative, right? So the, the cop is sitting there running radar, and I decide it was going to be it would be a good idea to to flash my high beams at the police officer to hide the fact that I had a busted headlight. <laughs> Sorry, I just laugh at no, this stupid it's, shit it's, we do. It's it's all good, <laughs> and so immediately it gives the cop a reason to to pull me over. Um, one thing leads to the next. He ends up you know searching my car. And finds the drugs, finds the money. In that moment, I thought that my life was over. The moment I thought that I was never going to be successful, I never thought that I was going to achieve any goals. I remember sitting in the back of the cop car after I was um, officially, I guess, arrested. And I was just thinking to myself, like, how did this kid, like, how do you end up in the back of a cop car? Right? Because I, I think anybody who's listening to this or watching this can relate to the fact that sometimes you don't think about like how, like the consequences of your choices until something traumatic happens. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Especially when you're young. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I'm sitting in the back of this, this cop car and I'm like, man, how did I get here? How did the kid who just wanted to be loved as a kid, how did the kid who didn't want to be picked on when he was in uh, grade sorry, school? My dog, my... Oh, you're good. How did the kid who Bye, just here. wanted to be liked by girls, how did the kid who just wanted to be athletically gifted, like how did he end up in the back of a cop car? Mm -hmm. And looking back now, it was really a result of the poor choices that I made and um, my, un my um, inability to manage stress, pain, anxiety, and trauma in a way that was healthy. And so I was arrested, taken to jail, charged with a felony, possession with intent to distribute marijuana, and um that that day it was like that night or the next day I, I was bailed out by my dad my dad bailed me out yeah. and then so once you're charged with a felony it's a it's a different process than a misdemeanor like you're arraigned you got to go to circuit court instead of the district court yeah. so um end up going to court and it's terrifying that whole experience yeah. like as i was exactly that age it's scary it's scary too like there's more there's but it's a lot of layers that's Anyway, man, I got a lot of empathy for that. Yeah, it's it's scary, and you're feeling hopeless, and there's a lot to it. You're worried about the felony being on your record. You're worried about what's what this, what's this going to do to my Shawshank life? Redemption, geez, and Locked Up Raw, and all those shows they pumped down our throat. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. sorry. Let's keep yeah let's keep listening. Um, and so I had a lot of fear around what was going to actually happen, and so then I end up um, going to court in September of 2008. And then this is going to bring it back to where I started the conversation because I wanted to provide some context. Yeah. Is when I went to, to court, I was still 20 years old. The, the judge, in my mind, threw the book at me because he sentenced me to five years in jail, convicted mm. me of the felony, found me guilty, yeah. suspended everything but 90 days, um, five years probation, 200 hours community service. Yeah, that's a, that it, that, well, that's a fucking, that's a heavy hit for, fuck. So, Five wow. years and then five years of probation after? Uh, well, yeah, but it was – so everything was suspended but 90 days. So I only oh. had to do the 90-day sentence. But if yeah. I messed up, violated, I could potentially have had have gone back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know that story very well. <laughs> so. so then he gives me 200 hours community service, all kinds of fines and drug classes. Um, and he looks at me. He's like, Doug, you're young. You're 20 years old. This felony conviction is going to haunt you for the rest of your life. He's like – I'm going to give you a deal. I'm like, 
deal? Like after what you just told me, like, where's the deal? I'm going to jail. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be on probation. I'm not going to be able to do drugs. I'm not going to be able to sell drugs. Yeah. I'm not yeah. Be able to hang scary. out with the same people. And he was like, if you complete everything without messing up, no missed probation appointments, no failed drug tests, you do your five years probation, you do your jail time, et cetera, et cetera. I'll take the felony conviction off your record at the end of of your yeah yeah you it's like a diverted kind of sentencing where they remove it from your record after right 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 yeah. what a what a blessing dude it was a blessing at the time though it's fu funny i didn't see it as a blessing because i was hopeless like i didn't think i was gonna yeah it doesn't you don't need to why exist at all kind of in a way right it's like that fucking i don't know i i think it gets pretty tough in those spots yeah i mean i didn't think i was gonna live to see my 25th birthday i all i cared about at the time was spending time with the same people being so can i ask about your relationships real quick like oxycodone and with i i i had same thing oxycodone oxycontin addiction 20 years old and i had relationships with women like honestly that mixing that in with opioids was like a recipe for just fucking hell i mean like like did you have relate you said relationships but was there any significant ones in the time or were you well, no, I think I think your dog was was barking when I kind of shared this, but I I had just, I wanted girls to like me as a kid. Okay, yeah, and yeah. I was always like yearning for attention from from women. Mm -hmm. I never got it. Like, yeah. I always saw my friends and other kids in grade school have girlfriends or take certain girls to dances okay. and do all these. Things. Yeah, I yeah, like, yeah. I have a, yeah I was a lot like, of sensitivity, a lot of love and desire for love. Yeah, and, and so, I, I felt very similar too. Was uh, yeah, I was always trying to do something to impress not only women, it was men like that I respected or I thought that I respected at the time. So I was always trying to be like the, the cool guy, right? Yeah. And you, I was trying to, to fit in, you know, because I saw the, this cool crowd where they were achieving um, things athletically. They seemed happy. They were partying. They had yeah. the girls and all these things. And I wanted that. So I was like, well, what, what do oh, I yeah. do to fit into that equation? And part of the the stepping stone into that circle was doing drugs was partying yeah no and it makes it easier to confidence is built like liquid courage they call it alcohol but that's for opioids made me more cocky and arrogant than anything so all my insecurities were fakely suppressed and i could talk to i already could talk to women but i could felt like i could talk to them it sounds funny but like the opioids really yeah, I would. I never had much success because of the opioids with the relationships I sought, you know. So I, yeah. I just, I yeah. Anyway, keep going. Right, and so specifically with opiates, for me, what it did was it just masked a lot of pain for me, and it just suppressed a lot of emotions that I was um, never really able to deal with in a healthy way. And so to kind of bring it back to the beginning of the conversation, specifically, you were asking about jail when the judge sentenced me to that um, sentence for jail. And then he gave me that deal. Like I was in such a, a, a horrific place mentally that it didn't even matter that he gave me that deal, that he would take the, the felony off my record because I was all yeah, yeah. And, as it was. And then, but you um, reached. Yeah. So then Jeez. after I got sentenced, um, he gave me a few weeks to gather my belongings and he ended up, uh, I ended up reporting to jail on October 21st, 2008. And <sighs> the, crazy part is when i entered the gates of the detention center i cried because i didn't want to go in and when i left, oh yeah that's that's showing up at all is great right. <laughs> that's so, that's courage that's and courage then, and then when i left i cried because i didn't want to leave and yeah oh really just, yeah it was just a crazy transformation that happened when i was in there man
and I, I guess sacred first, safe space. Well, and I guess at first, um, I had to kick this horrific opiate addiction, right? I detox cold Turkey for the first few weeks of my sentence, which was horrific. As you guys know, it was like having the worst yeah. case of the flu possible for, for weeks and all the symptoms yeah. that go along with that. But yep. I had a, I had somebody in there to, that helped save my life. And that was my soon to be cellmate who was sitting there playing yeah. Scrabble um, when I entered the detention center. Yeah. And he looked at me and he was just like, dude, like, you know, what are you doing here? Like, he kind of, he kind of knew by looking at me that I, he just, for some reason, he sensed that there was something off with me in this, as far as why I was there. He could just tell I was struggling yeah. because my shoulders yeah. were rounded forward. I talked very quietly. Yeah. Um, I was just out of it my first few weeks in there because I was detoxing off the drugs. And he said to me, he's like, when we get done, when you get through your detox, you're going to start exercising with me. And yeah. I looked at him. I was like, dude, bullshit. There's no way. Like I could have been a model for Pillsbury at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's no way I'm going to try exercising. And he was yeah, like, yeah, oh, I know that feeling that opioid malaise withdrawal symptom too, that makes you not energized. So yeah. what did this guy look like, Doug? Was he like a big, was he a big sturdy dude? Like he was like a more jacked version of Brad Pitt from fight club. Like he was pretty, he was like, <laughs> okay. Uh, he was, I mean, he wasn't like bodybuilder big, but he was just like a big dude. Was he, he, was just I, he was shredded? So the app, like, this is funny, but I, different cellmates, like, I've, uh, some of the wisest people I've actually, well, the t most honest and wisest people I ever met were in the system. So I, <laughs> sounds backwards, but like, there's some people you meet that just show up at the right time and give you the right answer. So that sounds like he was an angel in a way. <laughs> Yeah, he was. And he, um, he really chose to save, help save me before even saving himself. And it wasn't long after that, that I saw him actually, him actually work out. And he was doing like thousands of push-ups, hundreds of pull-ups running all over the burpees. Gym. Yeah. Jail awesome. burpees, all the different dances they do with the burpee to make it more energized. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I just think of that those awful days sometimes. <laughs> and, and so he, um, he was like just doing all this insane workout stuff. And I just said, I looked at him. I was like, dude, this guy's in insane shape, which was what I wanted. Because if you had told me like when I was a teenager, if you had asked me, you said, Doug, like, like, what do you want so that you don't have to do drugs anymore? You don't have to keep continuing to live this lifestyle. Like, what is it that you want? And I would have said date pretty girls, be jacked, like have a six pack and then, and make good money. Like I, that was what I yeah. thought would save me. And then as yeah. I, realized even to where i'm at now like and having achieved some of those things um it doesn't make you happy you know it doesn't fulfill you yeah. all, all the way and uh so not too long after i saw him work out we're having a conversation in the cell and he's like asking me more about my story and he's like you know why is it that you're here like what exactly happened and i was started blaming my family my parents were divorced when i was five so i started blaming <laughs> them for that yeah I started blaming the girls for rejecting me started blaming um you know, the, the teams that I got cut from people that bullied me, all these yeah. things, I wasn't taking any accountability or responsibility. And he looked at me and he's like, quit being a bitch. And yeah. <laughs> I remember looking That's at a fighting him, word. <laughs> and I was just like, dude, like, what do you mean? Because in the moment I wanted to be coddled. I wanted to be told what I wanted to hear. I wanted somebody to be like, right. okay, Doug. Like, yeah. To reinforce your delusional and co-sign your bullshit. Yeah. Like you're the world's against you. Um, you know, they shouldn't have treated you that way. It's okay. But he gave me what I needed to hear. And he was like, 
dude, you're blaming everybody else for your problems, but yourself. He's like, there's yeah. plenty of people that go through what you went through that aren't in jail. Right, Doug? And I'm like, yep. He's like, you got two choices. You can be a man, look yourself in the mirror and say, you got yourself here and it's up to you to change. Or you can be a bitch and go cry in the corner and say, woe is me and blame, blame everybody else for your problems. He's like, those are your two choices. Which do you want? Yeah. So of course, in that moment, I felt compelled to actually um, make a change in a different direction because I got into that to a point where the drugs were mostly out of my Yeah, system. that's and the um, word I think Brody and I talk about that fierce tenderness, a tough love version that's not he's not calling you a bitch. He's trying to inspire you, you know, like and that's the um that's I get it. I totally understand that. So that's 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 cool so far. Right, right. And he he just said to me, he's like, dude, like it's up to you to change. And so um like the drugs had been out of my system, I guess, you know, mostly at that point. And so I started to think about like, well, clearly I don't have everything figured out. Clearly what I've been doing hasn't been working. I'm in jail on felony drug charges. I'm an opiate addict. I was selling drugs, damaged relationships, 21 jobs. Um, mental health is a mess, like all the whole nine yards, right? I was like, so maybe I'll try this other thing. And fitness, when I, when I actually decided to give exercise a try, it, it allowed me to do a variety of things that allowed me to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Like when I got down to do that first push up in front of all these grown men in the jail cell, I couldn't even do a push up for my feet. Couldn't do one from my knees. Think about how uncomfortable that is, right? You're, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, it's I, unbearable. Yeah, somebody who was always like trying to fit in, trying to gain people's approval, trying to get people to like me, and then you're breaking the barriers. Yeah, that's the that step right there is where it, all the magic fucking happens too. I I don't I see it that way. Like the the energy crossed the threshold to change. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And I remember not being able to do a push up from my knees and then I would get up and I would walk up and down the steps in the, in the jail area to, um, to rest. And I could barely walk up and down the steps. Cause I was also before I went to jail, smoking a pack to a pack yeah. of cigarettes a day. And I remember looking at my cellmate, I'm like, dude, like, why can't I do a push up? He's like, cause you're fat. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? He was like, dude, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He was like, you have excess body fat. Your core is weak. Your it makes it heavy. Yeah. And he's like, so it's going to yeah. be hard for you to be able to, to do a push up, And so that really inspired me because I felt like I had hit some, a low point in my life. I was like, how can I, how do I let myself get to this place? Plus I had yeah. this guy helping to encourage me and he agreed to, to train me in there every single day during my yeah. sentence. And we set some goals. The goals were to uh, do a set of 10 push ups by the time I left and run a mile by the time I left my sentence, which I want to remind people that you know, people, let's just say people are listening to this and they're like, man, that doesn't seem like a lot. Like back then it's, that seemed like me climbing Mount Everest today. Like if somebody was like, no, no, no that's a tough. Yeah. It just was so like, insurmountable. And no, I get it. That's tough. That shit. That's when you're at that point, man. That's, that's where all the strength is. That same strength to there is when you start running five miles, use that same strength to go six. You know, it's the, that's where the fucking power is. It's not. I, I see it that way. At For least. me, I, it's funny though because when I was doing this, I was I was exercising even though I was drunk and I was taking pills, and I was I was still exercising that whole time. I was like smoking cigarettes, but I would still go to the gym. It was the weirdest thing, but yeah, yeah. The addiction. Well, exercising feels good. It has endorphins. Yeah, it does. It's not just a so right. And so, but I, yeah, um, I I guess uh, what because we don't have a whole lot of time here left. I did want to 
kind of ask you about what your book writing process was. Was that more difficult than jail or because <laughs> some people it, it is hard, like writing books is hard. Let me yeah, ask so- real quick to hand transition, like what like to get to the book writing point, you went to a push up to a book writing point. There's got to be that's where the well, like, let me uh, let me finish. Let me finish that part of the story because I think it's going to be relevant to the book thing. So, yeah. Okay. I, as I ta- as I mentioned, when I was in the back of that cop car, I asked myself, like, how did I get to the place where I was in handcuffs for felony drug charges? And it was because I was mismanaging my pain, my emotions and all that stuff. So when I got to jail, I was forced to face all those things head on. And I didn't have an option necessarily to numb the pain with a substance. I didn't have an op- option to lash out or to yell at somebody or to create drama or the, some of the same stuff that I would do before I, I went to jail. It was me versus me. And I was forced to um, reattach, like, re, like relearn, like reattach, like behavior to emotion, right? Like, so before I went to jail, if the emotion was anxiety or stress or depression or whatever, I would do a drug. In jail, I, I used fitness as a way to, to, to handle that. So when I was able to, when I got down to do that first push up and I couldn't, it was a gradual process of me then being able to do a push up from my knees. And I felt so good about myself. I had a re um, a, a renewed level of self-confidence, right? I then was able to do two push ups from my knees and so on and so forth. until I was able to do that set of, you know, 10 push ups from my knees and eventually do the 10 for my feet. The same kind of process happened with running. And so what that did for me is it taught me that just because I was feeling stressed or anxious or any kind of emotion in that moment, I didn't have to turn to a drug. So I was able mm-hmm. to use fitness as a positive outlet to do that. I also was able to change the way I talked to myself because it gave me, like yeah. I said, a new level of self-confidence to where I wasn't talking so terribly to myself. Because I think when you talk terribly to yourself, it then it, mm. it, it indirectly and indirectly, uh, it directly can um, correlate to how you behave. It programs right? you. So yeah, what you say programs you. Right. It's a- so all of that, you know, during my jail experience, it, it helped me get comfortable being uncomfortable. It helped me establish self-discipline, which I never had before. It helped me have like faith in myself because I never believed in myself until I got to jail. But because I had achieved all these things, I had this newfound um, level of belief in myself. It gave me the confidence. It gave me um, actually a new outlook on life that I was able to achieve certain things. And so when I got out and I left, I cried um, because – I had had this cr- insane transformation in there and I didn't want to leave at the moment. Like I, I, I was going to leave obviously, but part of me was, yeah, like, yeah. how am I going to, how am I going to live without um, this coach I had in there, this angel? Yeah. Your support system. Yeah. Yeah. And so he gave yeah. me a workout plan that I still have framed in my place today. So I never forget where I that's, came from, got out, cool. lost a bunch of weight, uh, stayed on the fitness plan that he gave me. And I got to a place where I wanted to help other people use fitness to change their lives. So all of these things yeah. I'm explaining now, it was like stacking small wins. It was like doing the one push up, two push ups, yeah. all the way up to ten. That gave me confidence. Ten push ups from my yeah. feet. The running helped, obviously. Getting out, staying on the course, and then now I'm getting a job as a personal trainer and paying it forward, giving it back. And then that yeah. gave me a newfound level of confidence because when I was in jail, all I was trying to do was survive. I didn't know you know, what I was going to do for a career. I didn't know if my, like my, I was going to heal the relationship with my family. I didn't know if people yeah. would accept me. I didn't know yeah, if I was going to be a, a reoccurring um, so, person in, in the jail system. I, I didn't know. And so, yeah, when I no, started to, yeah. That's, so you, dude, I'm just going to, that's a, what, so you went through it. You did that at that age. That's 
very impressive, by the way, just saying that as a guy that's your age, I know that if like I, if I would have went into the system without getting paid out of it, when I was in my early twenties, I, I don't know if I would have survived. I'm glad like for me, I had to do it in my beginning in my thirties into my twenties to be, to even have the confidence to walk into the situation. So um, that's pretty, inc- that's pretty awesome, dude, that Thanks, did, he did it from that point. I appreciate mean, it. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. And so once I started the, the training business, I found this new found, I found this, I found a new high in, in helping people because I was able to relate to a lot of people that were struggling with their health and their fitness. And they were struggling, obviously, internally with self-confidence, with the way they felt about themselves. So I was able to connect with them on a deeper level. I was super blessed to be able to build a really successful yeah. training business. And so it got to a point where it was towards the end of 2013 where my, I finished my probation and I wrote, we wrote uh, me and a, my client of mine was a lawyer. We wrote a letter to the judge for modification of my sentence because I had held up my end of the bargain. I had completed all the stipulations he gave me. And so we wrote him a letter to let him know. <laughs> Probation so fucking hard anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a challenging thing just the paperwork alone. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's definitely can be tedious. And, um, but I'm honestly grateful for it because it gave me a lot of accountability. And yeah, yeah. No, I, I, my shit sucked, but it's gratitude, oh. compassion. It didn't all suck either. Yeah. I had lots of experiences. I can't explain to my family why they were so good. So I get it. So the book came out of this, what I'm about to share with this experience. And so what happened was the judge granted me my day in court in January of 2014. And I stood before him. And because I completed everything he'd asked me to do, he took the felony conviction off my record and gave me a PBJ. And I never realized how much somebody's life can completely change from being, you know, essentially shackled as a convicted felon, not being able to do certain things to now being a free man. And that inspired me to write my first book from felony to fitness to free to give people hope that they can turn a negative into a positive, inspire people to make the most of their second chance and realize that life's about life's about choices, right? And I know that people's circumstances are tough and you can't control how you're how those what their what those circumstances are, but in right. order to make those circumstances better, the only thing that I I think works is doing the best you can and making choices to help you get out of that situation to the best of your ability. And when I wrote the book, obviously there was a lot of imposter syndrome there because I was a kid mm-hmm. who barely graduated high school. <coughs> At yeah. the time, I was still trying to. I don't even know if I'd gone back to community college because I had gone to community college before I went to jail and then. I ended up going back, um, you know, later on and, and finishing up my two-year degree. But as far as me seeing myself as a writer, I, I knew like writers as people who wrote like novels and, and bestsellers, yeah, authors, like, and Shakespeare and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And what I found was when I started to just get out a word document and write my story, it was so healing and soothing for me to just get it out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would tear up and cry like when I would write it, and it was in the most beautiful way because I felt like it was this much needed part of my healing process. And so wrote the book, did self published it. Um, so I didn't get signed by like a big publisher or an agent or anything. But it, to me, it, that wasn't the point. The point was no, let's see. no just, imposter syndrome, you did it, just wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. And then once the book came out, I was, I was surprised at the amount of people that would show up at my book signings and people that would buy my book for their kids who were incarcerated or just loved ones. And yeah, that just kept me going. Yeah, I've path. got that's everybody loves a comeback story right yeah and and since then you know know, i've been blessed to 
you know, share my story on some amazing media outlets and podcasts. And I've like, like I've written a couple other books along the way. And with the books, what I'll say about that as we kind of come to a close is like, I, I feel that when I've written my books, it's a reflection of where I'm, where I'm at at that point in my life. Like I wrote from felony to fitness to free, not too long after the felony came off my record. And I shared the wisdom and lessons and my story, you know, that related to that. The second book was faith, family, fitness, which was, which was written not too long after I became a Christian. And that was after I realized that um, fitness, women, money, like all those things, like obviously they can make your life better in, in, in many ways, but it can't be the mm -hmm. only thing that, that fills you up. Right. Right. Yeah, that's no, what I was no, using um, for a lot of my twenties. And then I became a Christian once I hit this, another like mental rock bottom, if you will, spiritual rock bottom to where I needed to find something else to lean into during yeah. times of adversity. And so I, then Oh yeah, no, there's no doubt yeah. that for me, there's an inner fire. I don't, not religious, but definitely super, super spiritual one day. I, but I get it. It changed me from the inside out, uh, fucking fire from within all the, all my story was the health and stuff came from the fire from within. Then I got healthy. It was reversed, but that's cool. Like I never could do that. So I'm inspired by that, that you could like you accomplished in your twenties. That is freaking it's phenomenal. It's so cool. Very yeah, hard. Man, thank so. you. And, um, so I wrote the, the faith family fitness. I just shared my journey, my spiritual journey, if you will, and inspired people to, to kind of get spiritual in a way that that works for them. There is Bible verses in yeah. there and stuff, but the themes of the book, I think it's related no worries. to no what your, it's your path. What your, what your walk is. And then my third book, I wrote the heart of recovery, which, was back, um, you know, the drug epidemic is obviously still pretty bad. But once I, I started to see it get really bad, I was like, man, I want to be able to find a way to help people. Like I, I just saw myself yeah. having a lot of success in my life, despite my past and, um, and thriving in, in my recovery process. And I was like, what's, what's it been for me that's really helped me? And I thought to myself, well, spirituality's played a big role. Who I spend time with spend, uh, has played a big role. Fitness, um, self-awareness, accountability, like all these things have played a massive role. And I was like, I bet you there's other people that are thriving in yeah. recovery that I could help share their stories to inspire other people to get yeah. uh, into recovery for whatever way works for them, whatever way works for them. So that's what sparked the, my third book, the heart of recovery was interviewing 50 people from all walks of life and, and talking to them about how they recovered from addiction to, to help give people hope that they too can recover. That's awesome, man. I didn't, I didn't know anything about your books before. I honestly didn't. I kind of just like to talk to people before I read about them. So I don't have any judgments or anything. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. um, I pre like, it's cool. It's very cool. I'm definitely gonna check out your books now. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. And we, we, um, I think we really appreciate you coming on here, Doug. It was a awesome conversation and, uh, maybe we didn't have quite as much time as we would like, but it's still covered all across the board from jail to books and amazing stuff in between. So we really appreciate you coming here. Of course. Thanks all for right. having me Thank on. Thank you, guys. Um, thanks, Doug. I'm going to end the recording now. All righty.